What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Just got off the Tesla Q1 earnings call. It was an epic one. Um, Tesla's released their Q1 2020 financials, a ton of different news. So we're gonna go through all of the numbers, um, financial breakdown, and then there's a bunch of sort of in-between-the-line clues and tidbits about products, Gigafactories, Cybertruck, the Terra Factory, um, new battery production, FSD, RoboTaxi rollout. We're gonna get to all of it um, in this video. So let's just start with the financials, revenue, and operating income. Um, I was expecting 5.7 billion um, and a loss of about 300 million. Tesla comes in with 6 billion in revenue and actually makes a profit of about 283 million of operating income. Uh, this represented 32% year over uh, year revenue growth, slightly slower than the 40% delivery growth, um, but still really strong top line. And then you can see the bottom line there totally flipping um, in Tesla's seasonally weakest quarter, going from a loss of $522 million um, to a gain of uh, $283 million, so almost an $800 swing in operating income. Now let's get a little bit deeper into those numbers. Welcome to the world of hypercharts. You can go to hypercharts.co slash Tesla um, to follow along here and see all of the new quarterly data we've added. Um, these are the deliveries. We actually estimated even Model Y deliveries, um, which we assume were about 1.266,000 for the quarter. So there you go, Tesla's vehicle deliveries. Um, here are revenue segments, breaking down the different pieces of Tesla's business. The most of what they make revenue from is automotive. This is their auto um, and uh, auto leasing part of the business, actually selling cars. So you can see that 3.72 billion up to 5.13 billion, huge growth in Q1 in that side of the business. The energy business was a little bit weaker, and we're gonna talk more about why in a second, but you can see that this um, 325 million in a seasonally weak Q1, um, and then that fell to 293 million, which was the lowest um, that they've had since Q2 2017. So a pretty weak quarter for energy. Um, it was very affected by the illness 19 crisis. So um, that was a weak, weak spot. Service and other revenue. Um, this near record highs, 560 million. Uh, this was up from 493 million in the same quarter a year ago, but down a little bit because my assumption is less people supercharging, less people servicing towards the end of the quarter um, as we had that economic crisis unfold. Um, if we scroll down here, this is sort of the same chart I was showing earlier, revenue, gross profit, operating income. Uh, you can see there, there's the revenue overall, just hitting about $6 billion. Um, This gross profit in increased massively um, on the back of both really strong gross margins uh, for the company overall, and, and also an increase in the regulatory credit revenue. Um, so that combining with improvements in the manufacturing process led for Tesla to more than double um, their gross profit from $566 million to $1.234 billion in the quarter, and this drove a lot of that bottom line improvement, which as you can see, the operating income, 283 million, huge swing, um, and by far the best they've ever had um, in a any Q1, which is their seasonally weakest uh, quarter. So really strong profitability from Tesla. Net income also on a gap basis, also positive for the third quarter in a row. Another great achievement. Um, this is the gross margin structure of the company. Let's zone in onto gross margin because this is where the company really shined. Um, as you can see, Q1 last year, gross margins hit a low of 12.5%. Here, we're looking at total uh, overall gap gross margin of the company of 20.6%, a almost 800 uh, basis point, eight percentage point improvement, a huge, huge needle mover. And a lot of this is just because Tesla is getting better at the manufacturing process of building cars. Additionally, operating expenses really in line, um, slightly below my estimates, um, down uh, from Q1 last year. So Tesla has been doing a really impressive job at managing its R&D and SG&A expenses. As you can see, it's like peaking in mid-2018 and sort of actually going down despite the fact that revenue has been increasing dramatically in that same period. Period. really impressive cost control here at scale. Um, and at, this chart also shows that the operating expense growth um, in the red line has been lower than revenue growth for like seven or eight quarters in a row now. And that has really led to the operating expansion of the company revenue growth here coming in at 32% year over year. Um, cash flow. Uh, this is 
uh, was actually better than expected. I was expecting Tesla to lose about um, 1.1 billion in free cash flow for the quarter. They ended up losing 895 million. Um, so they had much better operating. Let's break this down a little. Much better operating cash flow than last year. They lost 440 million, better than 640 million. And the reason why Tesla lose a lot of money earlier in the year is to build up inventory. Remember, they built 103,000 cars, only delivered 88,000. Then they sort of go through this inventory throughout the back half of the year. This was made worse because um, they it was harder to do deliveries at the end of quarter with the illness 19 crisis. So operating cash flow would have probably been flat if they didn't have the crisis. But either way, coming in at negative 440 million, still an improvement year over year. And then if we go into capital expenditures, expenditures on future command, uh, ex uh, capacity expansion, this is where Tesla's really um, investing. 280 million in CapEx in Q1, hitting a low of 250 in Q2, then been ramping up, um, hitting about 455 million in Q1. This was the lower than my expectation of 550 million and much lower than the streets of 559 million. But still, uh, you know, Tesla's ramping Model Y, Gigafactory Shanghai. This needs significant CapEx, that Model Y production facility. Um, in Shanghai, that battery production facility as well. So adding this all together, um, if we have operating cash flow, losing 440 million, 455 million of CapEx, um, we're looking at free cash flow of 895 million, slightly better than Q1 2019, uh, but still a, a big loss for Tesla this quarter and probably gonna be another big free cash flow loss next quarter as we have that COVID crisis. Um, diving a little more into that cash profile here, as you can see, uh, Tesla ended the quarter with about 8.08, I think it was 8.1 uh, or so billion in cash on its balance sheet, record cash balance up from 6.26 billion. Um, the reason is because they raised, uh, did a big over $2 billion capital raise in the quarter. And so that added to the balance sheet and more than offset the loss in free cash flow. Now scrolling down to the energy side of the business, um, Here's energy storage deployments, batteries um, deployed, and this did grow year over year, 260 megawatts, up from 229, but that 14% growth, way slower than we wanted. Um, we're expecting Tesla's guided for 50% growth here. They did not update that guidance, um, and this was really related to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, harder to install projects, harder to actually get that done. Um, if we look at solar deployment, also a very weak quarter. This is supposed to be up 50%. This year was actually down sequentially from 47 mega, or actually down sequentially from 54 in Q4, and down as well from 47 megawatts in Q1 2019 um, to just 35 megawatts. And the big reason for this, they explained on the conference call that you know, they can build a thousand solar roofs per week. Um, you know, they can actually produce them. The demand is there. People actually want a thousand solar roofs per week, but how do you install that many? You need about a thousand installing teams, installing about one solar roof per week. That install process is really what is, uh, you know, the Achilles heel of the, the ramp of that product. And additionally, this illness 19 crisis, um, they were, it was closed to get permits, um, shelter in place order. It was harder to, you know, install a bunch of these solar roofs later in the quarter. And that hurt this number. Although even so, like that was only in late March. Um, I am assuming they stacked a bunch of those sales and installs in late March for the solar roof because the weather's better. That's when they're doing it. But still, like to see just the past three weeks of the quarter, you know, I don't know. This is a weak number, a disappointing number um, in terms of solar deployments, but this is still so early that hopefully this continues to ramp um, and it isn't a big deal over time. Additionally, we got supercharger stations, some nice increase in those as the Tesla fleet goes up. Now let's hop over to the Q1 2020 update. This is Tesla's official shareholder letter, which I'll put a link to um, in the description below. Chock full of amazing information here. Um, I sort of reiterate everything I just went through, but really important to see here, 981 million outflow due to inventory growth. So their cash flow, free cash flow would have actually been positive um, if they didn't have this massive inventory overhang um, because of the whole illness 19 shutdown um, and it was like struggles delivering at the end of the quarter. Um, gap margin of 4.7%. This is really strong for a car company, 283 million in income. That non-gap uh, net income, extremely impressive. Um, gross margin of the Shanghai Giga approaching the level of the US made model 
Model 3. They actually added some clarity to that on the conference call, saying the cost of the Made in China Model 3 in Shanghai is actually cheaper um, than the Model 3 um, in the U.S. at Fremont, and they're actually going to come out with a new, uh, even cheaper price reduction for the Made in China Model 3, which will requalify it for a new tax credit, and that will get announced um, in the next day or two. Uh, Model Y had a positive gross margin in the quarter. This was the first time this had ever happened um, in Tesla's history. Um, they produced more Model Ys in one quarter than the first two quarters of Model 3 ramp. And here's that tidbit. They say reach production of a thousand solar roofs um, in a single week. Um, so overall, you know, this sums it up for you. The summary Q1, the first time in their history where they're able to achieve positive gap net income um, in the seasonally weak first quarter. Props to Tesla. I wasn't expecting that. Here's a deep dive into the financial table. Um, this is that regulatory credit revenue I was talking about. So as you can see, a 64% year over year increase faster than revenue, 166% quarter over quarter increase up from 260 million. So you know, you're looking at about $138 million delta in increases of, of just 100% gross margin and revenue because of that tax credit bump. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, and I think this will continue. They expect this to grow over time. And I think a big piece of this they didn't mention on the conference call is fiat. I think fiat, um, it, you know, they signed a multi-year $2 billion deal and, you know, a couple hundred million each quarter is going to last for, you know, eight to 10 quarters potentially. Um, so this could be a really exciting revenue line for years to come. And it seems like they're guiding like this isn't a one-time bump. Um, but that led to the automotive gross margin being extremely high, 25.5%, improving 3% from last quarter, improving over 5% from Q1 2019. So that was the big surprise. Total revenues here, uh, 5.9 billion, 21% uh, gross margin, OPEX there down 8% quarter over quarter, down 13% year over year. I mean, you don't see companies do this that often to grow revenue, um, you know, 38% or 38% auto automotive revenue growth and then operating expenses down 13%. I mean, that's all the leverage in that model, adjusted EBITDA margin um, up huge, 951 million year over year, 15.9% up from 3.4% in Q1 2019. Um, then we go, you know, a little deeper dive in the cash flow. Those numbers I mentioned, 440, 455, overall loss of 895, but we still have a record amount of cash on the balance sheet, $8.1 billion. And I also think it's important here, they talk about the profitability, 25% gross margin. Um, and I think this was impacted by improved profitability of Gigafactory Shanghai, higher regulatory credit revenue, lower delivery volume, Model Y and solar route ramp cost, and lower volumes of solar and storage. Um, but you know, I think it's important to remember that, yes, they had the huge tailwind of the credits helping their gross margin, but you also had Shang Giga Shanghai ramping, rapidly improving gross margins there. Model Y program still super early, you know, a, a dragging on gross margins overall as well. So even with those two massive headwinds to gross margin, um, we still saw that huge bump. So that's a really good sign. Here they give us an update on vehicle capacity, 90,000 of SNX in Fremont, 400,000 uh, of Model Y and Model 3, 200,000 of Model 3 in Shanghai. And that's the big number there. We knew Fremont was at about 500,000, but 200,000 of the Model 3, that's current production or around now. Um, they say our Gigafactory Shanghai ramp is progressing according to plan. Due to better than expected progress, we believe Model 3 will achieve a production rate of 4,000 per week or 200,000 per year extrapolated run rate by mid-2020. Um, this is unbelievable. Um, and they also say in Q1, we uh, only produced the standard range plus version of the Model 3. But according to the roadmap, April, we launched long range version and performance version as well. So Giga Shanghai, remember, phase one capacity, only 150,000 cars. They're already on track to hit 200,000 by mid next year. I mean, 
this is every single milestone that Tesla Shanghai puts out, they crush, they out execute, managing expectations, really exciting progress here. You know, we've been reading in between lines on the channel and these news reports that Tesla is right around that 3,000 per week production rate to say Tesla, say we're going to hit 4,000 per week by mid year, basically uh, falls in line with that previous research and, and confirms it, which is epic, epic news. Um, then this chart here, I love this chart. I'm going to zoom in on this. Uh, Model 3 versus all sedan competitors. The Model 3 outsells all sedans in the UI. Um, so think about that. They sell, you know, almost 140,000 in the U.S. All their competition sells 130. Model Y right now selling nothing, but the crossover market, you know, more than double what the sedan market will be. Uh, almost 300,000 cars, um, you know, a year just in the U.S. So if the Tesla Model Y, you know, replicates this success, we're looking at potentially over 300,000 Model Y sold in the U.S. alone each year. I mean that. 300 that would justify you know i don't know i don't even want to get started on that that's huge sales numbers so really exciting to look at the market potential for the model y um autopilot and fsd they've ex enabled stoplight and traffic light recognition um early access programs they've launched that in a private beta in april really exciting progress on the autopilot fsd i'm gonna update more on that when we get to the conference call because they mentioned more about that i love this chart as well they show the um tesla model s uh range is the the highest range EV that is on the market is the Tesla Model S almost 400 miles of range and Elon actually Elon actually goes on a rant on the conference call saying like the EPA screwed over our test and left the door open um, and that took away two percent of the range it would have hit over 400 miles of EPA rated range um, and we're gonna retest it the second that office opens so good news is uh, they're boosting the range of the Model S and the gap is actually widening um, the next best EV on the market slightly over 250 miles that's a 132 mile gap bigger than the 97 mile uh, gap that was in 20. 17. So literally Tesla is extending the gap of range and to, you know, I no brainer, but range is the most important thing to adopt an electric vehicle. It's what you should be investing all your money in. Um, and Tesla, you know, I think they've really, the electric vehicle market has shrunk without Tesla. And I think a big part of that is they're not increasing the range, they're not bringing a compelling product to market. Um, and they're, they're not closing the gap and say the gap's actually widening. Here they give us an update on the energy business. Uh, Megapack is gaining traction. Um, they've seen an increase in utility level storage projects. This is good. Order book is expanding multiple projects in the pipeline bigger than Hornsdale, which was a $70 million plus revenue bump, largest battery in the world. So they're, we're talking about several couple hundred million dollar projects in the works. Um, this is really, really exciting. Uh, and they have also seen cross-selling within the energy business as more than 40% of residential solar customers opt for at least one Powerwall. In Q1, we have installed our 100,000th Powerwall. Huge excitement there for Tesla. But I mean, this is a little bit disappointing to me. Once again, they're always talking about the backlog, how much excitement there is in energy storage, batteries, how many people want them. But yet revenue and energy storage deployed in megawatt hours only up 14% year over year, way below the 50% guidance. Um, you know, something just doesn't add up here. And uh, they did say on the conference call, Drew um, gave really interesting clarity. It's like, um, and Pierre Farragut actually asked this, I'm getting a little ahead, but he basically was like, you know, what's the deal? You, you keep hyping up this growth rate. Why haven't we seen that inflection point since you're really just constrained by supply of battery cells? And Drew has a really interesting answer. That's like when you're building a car, there's a ton of different components to the cost besides the battery. Storage product, it's pretty much just the battery. Um, and they've been really constrained on cells. So they're, and he's basically like on battery investor day, we're going to give you an answer on how we're thinking about these resources and allocating them to the energy storage business. And that'll give you more clues on when that will ramp and sort of hit its stride because many of us have been like, when is this going to happen? Elon, you keep hyping up the storage business, but the growth isn't there. So 
Um, but I do also think that like the way the cross selling 40% of residential solar customers, um, opt in to get a power wall. This is huge. And long-term, I think Tesla's customer acquisition costs for these incremental energy products is going to be nothing. And they're going to be extremely profitable, lucrative things in the long term. Um, you know, moving to the solar roof, significant milestone. They produce a thousand a week, um, or four megawatt hours enough for a thousand homes. Um, they're getting a bunch of new installers on to, uh, ramp this. Like I said, the big crux here is they can't, um, install these quickly, but I do think Elon has said that by the end of this year, I believe he wants to hit a run rate of installing about a thousand a week on a normalized seasonally adjusted basis. And just to put some quick math on that, uh, you know, a $40,000 roof times a thousand roofs a week times 52 weeks a year, we're looking at over $2 billion in annualized revenue run rate um, for the solar roof product. And it sounds like this is coming quickly. Um, it's just about figuring out how they can actually install that. Okay, Outlook here. Basically, they give us their guidance on what to expect going forward. Um, a lot of basically, it's super difficult to predict what's going to happen. We will revisit our 2020 guidance in our Q2 update. They say they have installed capacity to reach 500,000 vehicle deliveries this year, which is their guidance, um, despite announced production interruptions. But for the U.S. factories, um, it remains uncertain how quickly we and our suppliers will be able to ramp production after resuming operations. We are coordinating closely with each supplier and associated governments. They're not dropping guidance, but they're basically saying like it's looking more and more dubious that we're going to hit guidance and we don't want to like stick to it but it's still possible we'll hit it anyway kind of what i was expecting there um but they just don't know it's too uncertain on when fremont is going to open they don't have a good date on that and so therefore they can't really give us good guidance um the same thing with cash flow uh but they have sufficient liquidity and they continue to invest rapidly that's the thing they we are continuing to invest significantly in our product roadmap and long-term capacity expansion plans they reiterate this on the conference call we are investing at the pedal to the metal um and we're not stopping we have plenty of cash to do that um and so that's that's really exciting. They also uh, say the near-term profit guidance is on hold, but in the long term, uh, we will be believe we will achieve industry-leading operating margins and profitability with capacity expansion and localization plans underway. That's super exciting. Um, in terms of product guidance, um, we expect that production of both Model Y and Fremont, Model 3 in Shanghai, will continue to ramp gradually through Q2. We are continuing to build capacity for Model Y at Giga Berlin and Giga Shanghai, remain on track to start deliveries in 2021. Um, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, that they haven't delayed the Model Y launch for Giga Berlin or or Shanghai. Still on track. Still able to get those you know capex Gigafactory build out plans um, running despite all this. Or they haven't been totally derailed yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get delayed further. But um, they also say here. Lastly, we are shifting our first Tesla semi deliveries till 2021. I feel like we had to see this coming. Kind of a bummer, um, but that is what it is. Now, photo, photos and charts, the fun stuff. So this is Gigafactory Shanghai, future Model Y factory. I mean, I think this is the factory right now. So you can see just how much space they're planning to expand. Um, this is the Model Y. I think this is the battery factory. So just massive expansion um, for Tesla in China. Like I've said before, this is not just about pumping out Model 3s or building a couple Model Ys or you know assembling some vehicles that are really made in the US. This is about establishing a second hub for Tesla um, in Asia, in China to dominate what is gonna be the world's largest electric electric vehicle and vehicle market and really establish a hub there for not model three, not just model three, not just model Y, but the future, you know, model two cheaper car. What about the Tesla semi coming in China? Um, you know, what about the power pack? I think this is just the start of a massive hub for Tesla in China. Um, and that's why they keep showing us these pictures and how just expansion continues at a groundbreaking pace. 
Then we have the battery and module factory here. Super exciting. Notice they say modules. Uh, a lot of us were concerned or, or interested about, okay, is Tesla going to get rid, rid of the module, sell to pack technology? Um, it doesn't appear so, but they have this on-site battery factory here. They give us this picture inside where you can see those modules that they're assembling. Um, those like light blue things right there. To me, that, that's got to be a module. Looks like just like the Model 3. Um, are there cylindrical cells in there? Is that the prismatic CATL cells? I don't know. I'll let you zoom into that picture yourself. Um, but awesome to see that not only you know there's equipment in here and they're already starting to do the local battery pack production as well um, that's very exciting then here we have an image of the model y rear casting i've said this a bazillion times we've been covering on the show um, just one of the weirdest nerdy things of elon getting super excited about a new way to build the car uh, 70 parts to two parts which he says on the conference call nobody in the automotive industry has anything like this and they're going to move the casting to be one single part soon um, so you can see this hodgepodge of different colors versus just the orange part huge innovation in pace of uh yeah, huge innovation in vehicle manufacturing, structural engineering. Awesome to see just them learn from the Model 3 and implement it. And they have this picture here where you can see, um, you know, the Model 3 with all these tiny welds, all these little pieces, um, all kind of hodgepodge together versus this single stamp piece from the Model Y. So nerdy manufacturing things here, but these improvements go a long way to making it very easy, to, uh, much easier to build the cars and to improve the profitability of those production lines. Key metrics quarterly. Um, these are awesome. We already went through these on hypercharts. Um, they also include the trailing 12 month numbers, which I think are really uh, good to look at, smoothing out Tesla's lumpy business, almost 400,000 unit per year uh, run rate of, of vehicle deliveries. They're going to probably cross that next quarter. Operating cash flow going up um, about two and a half billion over the past four quarters. Free cash flow also positive, over a billion in the last four quarters as well. And then I love this here, um, net income. I believe they need to hit gap net income to be positive for four quarters in a row for that S&P inclusion. Or that's what they're looking for. It looks like they're very, very close, almost gonna be positive um, for the trailing 12 months um, for gap net income there as well. So. There you have it, folks. Those are the financial data. Now let's get into the conference call. This is the juicy tidbits where Elon Musk and his management team gets on the phone. They're answering questions from retail investors, Wall Street analysts, um, the whole deal. So it was a really interesting call. Um, Elon Musk starts out with his opening remarks continues to tout how Q1 epic achievement Tesla to get profitable in their seasonally weakest quarter first time in their history that's ever happened model Y positive gross margin every single product they launch they ramp it they ramp it faster and they ramp it more profitably um, a really good sign there a new autopilot update uh, this the city streets update that came out in March went out to all customers with FSD last week cars will automatically stop um, and the way they think of this is they're going to continue rolling out these features when they think they're safer or they're going to improve the safety of the vehicle it's a safety improvement now they're collecting data from over a million intersections a month with this, um, you know, new traffic, stopping at traffic lights data. And you actually have to confirm this. And he says this will soon be a billion intersections per month. All confirmations train the neural net. Every time you're confirming that this should go through the intersection, this is the right move. You're training the neural net. He talks about um, how humans are essentially labeling the data for them at scale. This massive data collection and labeling system uh, with Tesla customers is really training their neural net. And I think will make it totally unbeatable. He makes the comparison to Google saying it's so hard to beat Google because how are you going to compete with them as a search engine when humans constantly are training that network to get better? Literally every search engine you type into Google gets better. Every action you do in your Tesla, it makes that uh, neural net get better. Very hard for people to appreciate this. Soon the cars will be able to go through the intersections without confirming because the humans have trained the algorithm and it's gotten good enough. And he thinks that you'll be able to drive from your home to your office with very minimal interventions and supervision by the end of this year. FSD feature complete, still coming. Then he goes on to talk about the Model Y, talks about that casting I mentioned. Also 
mentions the new heat pump, um, which allows them to have a bit higher range, a better range than the Model 3, despite being a heavier vehicle. Um, and the heat pump is the key to that. Extremely advantageous in low driving. It sounds like this new heat pump is kind of a breakthrough for EVs in the heating you know, management system. I wouldn't be surprised to see this go into all of Tesla's products over time. Uh, feedback on the Model Y is really, really great. Um, and then he says, in conclusion, we're the pedal to the metal. We're investing. We are going full speed in China and Berlin with our plans, going in Fremont the second they let us continue. Um, localized pro production will bring costs down and products make products more competitive over time. Um, money, many companies are cutting back investment, but Tesla is not cutting back investment. They're investing into new products and expanding the company. Sometime next year, Tesla will be a truly manu global manufacturer with factories in China, in Europe, and the US with capacity of over a million cars per year. I mean, that is pretty epic. So still huge expansion plans in the works for Tesla um, as they look a little bit longer term. Then we move on to Zachary Kirkhorn, the CFO of Tesla, says they launched, ramped, and demonstrated the profitability of the Model Y way ahead of schedule, shows progress on cost control and ramp efficiency. Shanghai Model 3 margins almost at Fremont levels on a percentage basis despite the shutdown. Um, order rate and backlog is higher than ever at the end of Q1. Um, it sounds like demand is still super strong. Um, auto gross margin remains strong despite charges from production downtime. Another thing that hit them this quarter, one-time charges due to illness 19, but yet despite that, still really strong on the gross margin. Um, the energy business, he explains how that was interrupt, interrupted um, and deployments were limited because of the shutdowns and shelter-in-place orders. Um, he also says those ZEV credits he expects to grow over time. He also mentions that without interruptions, they would have had record deliveries and positive cash flow. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually right because that would have meant they would have delivered like 15,000 more cars, which would have been epic. Um, so that's a really good sign. It sounds like Q1 was just, you know, without this illness 19 thing, Tesla's business is uh, just exploding on fire, literally selling every single car they can produce, raising prices, uh, pumping out extremely profitable, you know, companies expanding like crazy. Um, things are going super, super well before all the shutdown. I expect that to return to be the norm when we all, uh, you know, things get back to normal. And, you know, he, he mentions that cars were unable to be delivered in Q1. Um, inventory's up by 14,000 in Q1. This will hurt cash flow and did um, that 980 million inventory charge. But next quarter could be a tailwind um, as they start selling suit through those cars in Q2. Um, they're still receiving online orders. Um, but the extended shutdown in Fremont will hurt performance. Um, they're focusing on managing cr the cash flows appropriately. They've modeled a bunch of different scenarios through 2021, 18-month timeline. They have enough liquidity to keep investing. Tesla's a very nimble company. They're always going to be reassessing and reanalyzing this, um, but they will and they will adjust their planning and spending as needed, but they are good for now. Now let's go into the Q&A portion of the call. Starts with say questions from the institutions. Uh, FSD subscription service, Elon Musk says yes, that's gonna come out by the end of this year and it will be cheaper um, to, it will still be way cheaper to buy FSD outright, but they will um, launch a subscription service. I think that, you know, the whole software side of Tesla, increasing a portion of sales. Um, this is really, really exciting. Um, and, you know, their goal is to maximize the area under the curve of customer happiness. So customers are requesting this. Um, they're going to, you know, deliver on that. I think that's really exciting news. And then you think about, you know, if FSD hits, how many people are out there with a Tesla that doesn't have FSD? Um, and Elon Musk mentions on the call that you're going to be able to buy that in the app, you know, either pay for the subscription or buy FSD outright. You know, Tesla has a you know half a million cars out there that didn't buy that that could each spend five grand on this new software upgrade that's all margin to Tesla. So Tesla.
Tesla is truly transitioning to the computer on wheels company. More and more of their sales and margin is going to software. Um, uh, Kirkhorn even says that's going to be a huge lever to pull in the long term on Tesla's structural gross margin is software. To hear Kirkhorn, the CFO, like verify that is ext was extremely exciting to me because I don't think he had before. Um, they talk about the NEV subsidy that expired in China. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, Tesla's cutting the price in reaction to that. Their new standard range will qualify um, because once again, that cost to produce the cars in uh, Shanghai is already cheaper than Fremont and they have huge opportunity to continue to take costs out in Q2 throughout the year. A lot of the supply chain localized, but they can do more. That will help cost. Um, great companies improve by crisis. How is Tesla improving? Basically, you know, looking at costs way closer, um, you know, being more careful on what their spending is, uh, but they're still investing rapidly and expanding into new technologies. They're also, you know, and they've also done a lot of things to make this as convenient as possible. Touchless delivery, um, you know, that's huge. Touchless sales. You can order your car online. The Tesla is really the only car that's built to order online. And Elon Musk says that, like, you can order it in like five minutes or even 90 seconds if you go fast. Like these other car companies, I remember like a year or two ago, Tesla was like, every sale has to go online through our portal. Everyone was like, this is ridiculous. Car sales on the internet will never happen. This is a joke. And now every dealer in the country shut down and you have to order cars online. So a lot of ways these online businesses are benefiting because of just the forced switch to online. If you're going to buy a car online. Tesla's your tech company, online car company. No one else is built for this. So in some ways that has become an advantage and they came out the touchless delivery innovation as well. Battery day, um, they don't want to say it, but third week of May, Elon basically says, I think it's going to be in the third week of May. I'm not giving a firm date. We'll either be in California or Texas. This is when I freaked out and said that I think they're going to announce the Cyber Gigafactory um, with the new Maxwell cell technology. I mean, because one of my things is like, okay, so you're not expanding in Panasonic at Giga. I feel like they would have mentioned that. Like, where are you going to build all these batteries? If you're going to come up with the terafactory, a terawatt, we want to scale battery production to a terawatt hour, to two terawatt hours, to transform the world, to shift us to electric vehicles. So where do we get all these batteries? I think you need a huge factory. I mean, Panasonic and the Gigafactory is the Gigafactory, and it was the biggest battery factory in the world, the huge building. Um, and that's only producing 35 gigawatt hours. Even if you take out the ovens and get radically 10x more efficient per square foot or 20x more efficient per square foot of battery cell production, we still need a huge facility um, if Tesla's going to bring battery cell production in-house. Um, Elon Musk is said that he wants to do something in Texas. He put out the pole, Giga Austin. Um, there's uh, a SpaceX facility in Texas there. In Austin, Tesla also has Pete Bannon and the chip team working on the autopilot neural net on the chip development. So there are a lot of things swirling. My guess is um, Elon Musk is confirmed that they want to do this Midwest um, thing, probably in Texas, maybe somewhere else for the cyber U.S. factory. Um, and my guess is he's already decided it will be in Austin. He already wants it to be in Texas. He's just saying that to get some sort of deal out of regulators, you know, uh, get a couple bids, make it look like he's, you know, thinking about other places. But in reality, this has been decided um, and he let that slip. And so my theory has been they want Battery Day to be in person. Um, I think that's totally epic. And so if they have it in Texas, I mean, I think that signals a huge sign about what Tesla's doing in Texas. Uh, create something slip right there. I think I think that was a big slip. Um, then we talk about revenue recognition. Um, balance of deferred revenue is at 600 million every quarter. We look to see how many features we released, and then we recognize revenue based on how many features that were released. Um, this is going to be one of our most powerful gross margin levers over time. My favorite uh, Kirkhorn quote. Um, and yeah, so FSD revenue recognition is going to continue to be a big part of the story. Um, retail questions. Rob from Tesla Daily, my buddy, um, he has the first one about the 50% growth rate. Will Tesla be able to maintain this? Um, that's Elon's guided to over time. Elon's like difficult to, ex you know, 
I can't predict the macroeconomic environment without a force majeure. If everything totally doesn't get screwed up, I think 50% is how we'll be able to compound our growth rate. Very surprised if it's less than 40%. So that's some good news about the long-term growth trajectory. What about the next Gigafactory? How many are planned for the next five years? And then Elon says it could be announced next month. So this is where I was like, okay, I think it's going to be the Austin Gigafactory next month, Cyber Giga. That's what's going to be announced. So that was an interesting tidbit. Um, and then Kirkwood adds, our Gigas have gotten bigger. Lots of vertical integration and, and advantages in making them bigger. And that's why I say that this could be the Terra Factory, not just the Gigafactory. Um, man, I'm, yeah, almost even more pumped for battery day than I was. Then someone's asked about the HVAC market. Um, will you enter the home heat pump market as well? This is I have a crazy moonshot about this I'm about to drop, but Elon basically says, I want to build a kick-ass HVAC system, uh, particle filtration, HEPA filtration, virus, bacteria, pollen, fungi, neutralizes acidic alkaline gases, quiet, efficient, all things we've achieved in the car. Model S and X are the only cars with hospital-grade filters built in. Model 3 and Y have way better filters than any car to my knowledge. Um, so yeah, they're basically saying like, you know, we have already doubled down and built this technology and it's, you know, how do they launch it? Is there a home by Tesla? Is it a retrofitted wall AC unit by Tesla? Um, you're going to have to tune in my moonshot to find out. But I think that was interesting. And I'm pumped that say somebody asked that there. Um, then they talk about when will Tesla start acquiring utilities like Hornsdale or Moss Landing instead of selling them batteries. Um, Elon says he hadn't thought about it, but if, you know, it's aligned with the mission, our plate is full right now. But um, I thought that was an interesting proposal. Okay. This is the part where it gets a little dicey. Um, analysts come in. Adam Jonas comes in with the first question. Um, basically starts out with like a dentist joke about like how Elon Musk made a joke saying people would rather go to the dentist than go to a car dealer. And Adam Jonas is like, yeah, you're telling me I had a root canal. You know, that was better than buying a car. <laughs> what about this illness 19 thing? And basically starts pressing him on and gets Elon talking um, about what he thinks about illness 19, which is what we're all worried about. Elon has this crazy tweet, free America now. Um, and Elon's like, yeah, like he kind of starts going on a rant saying, you know, we're not able, we're worried about not being able to resume production in the Bay Area. We only have two factories. Fremont makes the most of our cars. Then he actually says, what the F word um, on the conference call, drops the F bomb, gets a little bit pissed, kind of goes on a rant and says, imprisoning people in their home, Tesla will weather the storm. You know, I think this is wrong, but many companies are not going to weather the storm. Many suppliers are smaller ones are having a really hard time. Like, he, you know, he's just very, very, very frustrated. Um, and, and, and then Adam Jonas says, you know, what's the message to lawmakers about EV infrastructure and sustainable energy? You know, all these big presidents made huge investments in our highways, in our infrastructure in times of crisis. We went to the moon, you know, is this is this the time for a huge infrastructure bill? Um, and then Elon goes on a rant, which I really agree with, where he says, it's high time we invested in infrastructure in this cr uh, country, crumbling highways, crumbling bridges. When I visit China and see their infrastructure, it's beautiful. I've been to China. This is the biggest eye-opening thing to me when I started like traveling the world and going to all these different countries, I thought the U.S. was like the shiny, brand new, amazing, everything's perfect here. And then you go to other countries and you're like, wow, like they have a way fancier road than we do and everything, there's no holes. And like, so I totally agree with this. And, um, you know, it's, he says, it's sad how bad it is. Our airports are an embarrassment. Um, it's not that we're spending, not spending money on it. We're just not getting much out of it. We should be investing in the transportation of the future. Um, you know, imagine early 1900s, we invested in the steam engine instead of the internal combustion engine. That would be crazy, but our government's not thinking about the new technologies and investing, um, in them. And then, you know, Elon goes back saying like, I just think this is a horrible, like time and they basically stripped us of all of our rights. It's not America. This isn't freedom. And he even says this is fascist um, to d not democratic to say people can't live their lives. Um, he said we should give people back their goddamn freedom. So those are Elon Musk's personal views on the illness 19 crisis. Um, 
you know, I don't know, man. The media is going to grill him. I personally like, dude, Elon, Mart, you know, I don't know. The t- I don't care. Like, Elon's going to do Elon. He's going to say his ideas. And I think a lot of him, you know, he has some good points. Like, you know, he makes his point about the Constitution. You know, I don't have feel strongly either way on this. Like, I am I think there's a crisis going on. It's super sad. Um, it's a health crisis. It's an economic crisis. Um, it's a bummer. It's just a tough time. And we all have to work through it as a group. Um, and I think Elon's really frustrated. And he's on the other side of like, I have factories to run. I have people to pay. You know, we have a business to keep the lights on. People are going to be financially ruined if we don't get the economy back. And that's going to cause a tremendous amount of damage too. And he's frustrated and he's rearing to go because he's all about progress. Um, and that's just where he's coming from. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like he wants what's best for people. And even though you, it might not seem like that, like I give him the benefit of the doubt and Elon's crazy. He says things that I don't agree with all the time, but at the end of the day, I agree. You know, I like what he's doing more than I like what any other auto CEO is doing. Like he's just, it's Elon is Elon. He's going to say ridiculous things. He's going to be himself. Um, and although I don't agree with all the things he says and half the time when he says them, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm bummed out. I'm getting all these texts. But then at the same time, I'm like, we need more of that in the world. Authenticity. Don't be afraid to speak your mind. You're not going to agree with every single person on the planet. Get over it. Um, and it just doesn't bother me. You know, Elon's quirky and I don't have to agree with all of his stuff, um, to think he's an amazing CEO and technologist. Um, so it is what it is. It didn't bother me, but that's going to get a lot of play in the media tomorrow. Um, is Elon's little rant. Uh, Ben Callow does ask a question about the cell strategy, Panasonic. Elon's like, look, I'm homies with the Panasonic CEO. We meet one-on-one all the time. Great relationship. Um, and then Drew's like, we can't really tell you anything about battery cells other than like, we are always looking at suppliers. We're always looking at costs. Um, but that will get all announced at battery day. Gene Munster comes on, uh, one of my favorite investors. He's actually been on Hyperchange before, big fan of Gene, um, shout out to him. He basically says that with autonomy happening by the end of this year, what's the rollout strategy of the Tesla network app? Um, gradually take human routes over with autonomous routes. How does this play out? Um, and I, I actually really like where Gene's at with this question, but him and Elon didn't really click and they didn't answer it, but we did get a lot of insight. So Elon's basically like, well, this is how it goes. Autopilot team's super talented, really pumped about them. This is how it's going to work. We need to improve reliability. We have all these features that just haven't been released that were in the simulation. Once they get out of the simulation, we send it to like me and my homies. Then once we do that, we send it to another group of Tesla employees, you know, and the groups get bigger until you get to the early access program of, you know, which just went out in March, the new stop at the traffic light feature to these early access program customers. They get more feedback, more improvements. And then once they feel like it's really safer than what is out there today, then a human driver, it's ready for that like mass market, they'll push it out. So Elon was basically saying, we're going to keep doing that system that we've been doing and just keep working to get to full autonomy. Um, And once FSD is released um, and we'll need to improve the reliability of that, then FSD will be supervised by drivers. The reliability will keep improving until it no longer needs to be supervised. Then we'll show regulators with a ton of data. um, Then regulators will get us approval for cars with humans on board. So Elon basically skirts this answer of like, will the, this is what I think Gene should have phrased it. And this is like, this is like what frustrates me of like why I wish like, you know, say is great. Uh, these questions are great, but like sometimes you need to have the analyst on the call to get that back and forth dialogue to really get the juice and meat of the conversation. And what I would have asked is like, are you planning on launching the Tesla network with human drivers before full self-driving has reached regulatory approval? If so, what are you waiting for? 
you know, why haven't you launched it yet? And this is something that Tasha Keeney actually asked Elon Musk at Autonomy Day, and he said he would be open to having human drivers. So basically, they'd launch the Tesla network app that's basically like Lyft, like there's a guy in the front, um, but it's through the Tesla app. And then over time, as the cars get autonomous, you know, we start removing the drivers from those routes, but you already have the network. And that seemed like what Elon, um, his plan has been to start with the human drivers. And then that's what Gene is saying with his question is like, when's that going to happen? Like an update on that. But Elon, his answer was all focused about how to get the technology to where we don't need humans. And I think that alone is an insight where Elon doesn't want this middle ground of humans driving us around. That's not what this is about. This is about robo-taxis. That's the vision of the Tesla network. That's all Elon cares about. Sure, will they launch it with humans a little earlier? Maybe. We didn't really get an answer, but I don't think that's where, you know, there's not much weight on that. And then Gene Munster forces him to guess. And he basically says this huge thing of like, I'm always too optimistic, but late 2021 in some jurisdictions when we'll get the robo-taxi. So I personally think that's kind of an optimist, like I could see that happening in a super optimistic scenario, but I'm more like 2022, 2023. That wraps up the conference call um, and the earnings. Tesla, 6 billion in revenue, up 32%, uh, 283 million in profits in the quarter, uh, beating my estimates, uh, you know, very surprising quarter. Uh, as a long-term investor, I think the thesis is, you know, more intact than ever. Uh, Tesla's proven their business model. Um, they can fund their growth and ambitions with internally generated cash flow. They're on secure financial footing. They're gaining market share. Their pace of innovation is outpacing everyone in the auto industry, probably 10 to 1. Autopilot software is not slowing down or stopping. I mean, the vibe that I get is Ford, GM, every single other automaker, every single pe person in the competition is like thankful for COVID. They've totally shut off. Everything is totally getting delayed or stalled. Meanwhile, Tesla Tesla, and they're pulling back investments, pulling back capital, pulling back R&D. Meanwhile, Tesla is doing the opposite, expanding, investing in R&D. Um, and I think they're going to come out of this even further ahead than when we went into all of this. And this conference call truly reiterated how much of a position of strength Tesla is in um, for how the automotive market is about to unfold. Electric and autonomous are the future. And Tesla is miles and years ahead in both of those technologies. And like they showed in the range chart, like I just talked about the autopilot stopping at traffic lights. This is not, the gap's not closing. The gap is widening, and that continues to be um, the trend. And then we are going to get some epic news at Battery Day. They're going to announce a new Gigafactory because that's what I've been saying. Tesla has too much cash on its balance sheet. They're saving some for this future battery factory they can't talk about yet. That's going to be a billion. Um, they'll also build the Cybertruck there, and it's going to be in Austin or Texas. That's my theory. This is total guess, total speculation, um, but that is what it is. And as we get closer to Battery Investor Day, I'm going to come out with more and more predictions about what Tesla will announce and why that's such an important moment. And as Elon said, Battery Investor Day will be the most important uh, day, one of the most important days in Tesla's history as a company. So that's a good, another good clue. But the Terra factory in Texas for the Cybertruck for those Maxwell DBE cells, like that's kind of my moonshot conspiracy. I don't even think it's a conspiracy or moonshot, but that's that's my guess of what I think is going on behind the scenes here. And it's going to be huge news when this gets confirmed. Um, and I can't wait. So anyway, let me know what you think in the comments below. Um, what do you think about the quarter? Uh, please let me know. Um, subscribe if you haven't already. Huge shout out to our Patreon supporters, producers, fun in the channel. Y'all are amazing. I'll see y'all next time. Happy Tesla earnings day or night. Peace.